Hemshechayim Beis, Volume One. In the beginning of Discourse Twenty Two, B'yem Hashmini Atzeres, Chapter Eighty Three, Page One Fifty Nine. With all those coordinates, at least physically, we know where we are. Spiritually, and the comprehension of this as another story. So we know what page we're on. The question is whether we know what we're talking about. Well, we'll try to find out. Okay. I've already dedicated more than one class, two classes ready to this beginning of the chapter. So I'm going to try not to repeat what I've said already and just take it further. But it's definitely complicated. We're entering into the world, the inner world of spheres. Of the spheres, the famous word sphera, which literally can mean, uh, I mean, we're going to talk about the different interpretations, but the word sphere is used as a building block of existence. So think of it as a spiritual subatomic particle. And there are ten spheres in the general structure of things, from Chachmah through Malchus. Then, of course, there's the ten hidden spheres, the ten revealed spheres. Then there's spheres without end. But sphere is a word used all the way in the earliest Kabbalistic work, starting from the Sefer Yitzira, the Book of Formation, Esa Spheres Blima. There are ten spheres without substance. Ten and not nine, ten and not eleven. Not eleven. Spheres are referred to in the Zohar. We say it, we refer to it even in our prayers when we say L'cha Hashem Agdullah Agvura Atiferis. So we speak about God as being great, as being powerful, as being compassionate, as being victorious. These are the spheres. There's many, many allusions to it in the different verses. But especially when you study Kabbalah, inner Torah, you find the spheres as being critical instruments, divine instruments. Obviously, the ten spheres relate to the ten utterances, Sarama Morris, with which God created the world. Ten spheres relate to the ten commandments. All these numbers of ten are all connected. The spheres are those words, Chochma, Bina, Das, Chesed, Gvurat, Teferet, Netzachod, Yisod, Malchus. Sometimes referred to in two family, two categories. Three intellectual, seven emotional. But that's not the focus right now, the intellect emotional, it's the general sphere. So this word sphere, what does it mean? In English we say sphere. What's a sphere? Sphere is just simply a, 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 an oval, a circle. Sphere has more meaning than just that, which is, of course, we're going to discuss now at length. Three primary meanings in it. But just for, for, for practical daily, daily pedestrian use, we can say sphere is a illuminating force. It's a illuminating energy. A sphere. And spheres, as we shall discuss, are rooted all the way in the source, because as I said, these are the artist's instruments, meaning the cosmic artist, meaning God, instruments of the building blocks or the DNA of existence. And therefore, these spheres are a critical component in the whole interface of the divine and existence, how they interact with each other, and how we reconnect. Because our kaychas nefesh, the faculties of the person are evolved from the ten spheres, as he says in the beginning of Tanya, right in the beginning of chapter two, where he says, chapter three, where he says that 
that the ten kaiches, ten faculties of a person, the shtal shlomahan, evolved from the ten spheres above. So this isn't just on a cosmic and global level, it's also on a personal level. The ten spheres are in you and in me. So we talk about the mind, the heart, our actions. We talk about the three intellectual faculties, chachmah bin adas, within the human being, the seven emotional faculties, the seven conscious, the ten conscious faculties are the ten spheres. And there are also ten spheres in the unconscious. But that's already on the transcendent level. We won't discuss that from this moment. Which, of course, is the segue to where we are right here. I wanted to give this introduction because to understand the spheres properly, we have to understand what the word sphere means. Why does the Torah use the word sphere? Why not another word? Why not kaychus? Why not iris? Energies? Containers? I mean, there's many, many words that can be used. So sphere, to analyze the word sphere is a critical element in understanding what the neshama, what the soul of the word is, by understanding the meaning of the word. So this is something he has not addressed until now, and obviously critical and fundamental. But in chapter 83, where we are now, he's beginning to discuss this. But there's a context, and here's the context. Up till here, as we've summarized many times, two key forces in existence have been identified. The imminent energy, we call that Ur Pnimi, Amalakalalman, the Kav, Yesher, all names for basically internalized, internalized energy, imminent energy, which is defined by structure, which defines the structure and defined by structure. Each component has its role, they interact with each other, everything is made up of a perfectly tailored energy and container. And there's a whole process how that energy and container meet. It doesn't happen immediately, it takes effort and work, but in Elam Silus, which we call the perfect world, the world that is, when we say we are creating the divine image, the divine image is Atzilus, Adam Elian, as he spoke in the beginning of the discourse. So after explaining the faculties as an example, the faculties as an example for what? For the spheres. So we've been talking about spheres all the time. Not necessarily the word sphere and the meaning of it, but the whole idea was sphere. Imminent energy, our spheres. What are the faculties of a human being? As he began, right in the second Mimer, he said, after explaining at length for two chapters, three chapters, he explains the example of how faculties work. How every energy, the energy of the power to see, enters into the eye. The power to hear enters into the ears. The power to conceive is the brain. Every part of the body is an Aaron Akeli, is a perfect example, Mapsari, from our flesh we behold God. Because we're created, so we are actually a microcosm, a picture, a portrait, a, uh, a reflection of the divine. We're not talking about how we behave and whether we are aligned with a purpose or not. But the way we're structured, when a baby is born, who shaped this baby? Why does a baby have a head and a torso and legs? Why does it have a mind and a heart? A baby is shaped exactly as in the divine image, the way God created Adam and Eve. And that is in his own image, which means how the divine manifests in Eris and Kalim, in Atsilis and imminent energy. Then there's a second type of energy called transcendent energy. Transcendent energy, Er Makif or Sevav Kalaman or Igulim. Different words are used. 
This is an energy that is not defined by a specific structure. It's not defined by an energy within a container. It's not like the eye, the power of vision in the eye. This is identified in the faculties. Rotsen. That's desire. An all-encompassing desire that really manifests everywhere equally because it doesn't manifest in one particular place. It also doesn't function like, like the faculties function. It's a governing force. It's an overriding force. It's a directing force. It's like the captain. Kesser is that level of Rotsen. So transcendent energy is a reflection, expression of Gili Ha'etzem, Gili Mina Ha'etzem. Its role, or you can say it's not even a role, but it is, its function is to just reveal what the essence wants, what the source wants. And imminent energy is actually where it plays itself out, not to reveal what the source wants. Its function is creating existence. Its function is defining existence. So the key thing in all Aveda, the key work that we have is connecting the imminent and the transcendent. The imminent is the players in the game, is the piece of art, is the plumbers, the electricians, all the, all the functionaries. Rotson is the department head, the person who makes sure it's aligned, quality control, makes sure it's aligned with a higher purpose. In Aveda, the way he described it, for example, the mitzvah, on one hand, every mitzvah has its particular role, its particular refinement, and they all are equalized by Ratzin, Asheke, Deshanav, Mitzvah, in the desire. The desire, one should not be weighing a, a, a more lenient mitzvah and a more stringent one. Torah is distinguished by individuals. Different people have different uh, the, the different times when they... they when, when, Actually, I should correct myself. It's Torah that is, uh, that, is, uh, is, that is equal to everybody, but everybody has to learn it in their particular way. Uh, so, but Torah, bottom line, is because it's Chochmah, it's Seichel, it is an Er Pnimi, and it manifests according and commensurate to each individual. Whereas mitzvahs, everybody's equal in doing a mitzvah. These are ideas that he's spoken about before. But to bring it now back to where we are, so after a long discussion of imminent energy, he moved over to transcendent energy, compared the two, explained that transcendent energy fundamentally remains transcendent, though it's here, but it's not though it's here, but it's not present in the conscious way as imminent energy is. Spoke about the impact it has, but went back and said, but the bottom line is transcendent energy always remains above the structure. So then when the discussion, the question is, so then why do we find structure in, in transcendent energy? First structure in general, that there's levels of makifim. We have a makif klali, two levels of makif klali, the great sphere, igul hagod, before the tzimtzum, the tihiri law, the circle, with, after the tihiri tata, adam kadman, which is the primordial man, the image that is a snapshot, the skira achas, in which he glimpses and sees all of reality, is the second makif klali. Then you have a makif, a kesa, a makif for each world. So he explained because they interact with each other, the, the transcendent and the imminent. After 20 chapters of explaining that, he went back and said, but still the transcendent remains apart. So then began the question, what about what it says in Yitzchayim, that there's spheres. So now he's coming back to the spheres word. Till now spheres was the domain of the imminent. And the transcendent has a relationship with it, obviously. And has an impact, as we've discussed, different types of impact. 
But now we find actual spheres, in other words, we find imminence in transcendence, if you want to put it that way, so to speak. That's the question on the table. Are there spheres in Igulim, in Kabbalistic terms? So first he addressed the issue of Mailomata, hierarchy in Igulim. Yitzchayim also talks about hierarchy, that one, one eagle, one circle, one sphere is higher than another. Chochmah is a circle that encompasses Bina. As a matter of fact, when it comes to the Makifim, the outer levels, the higher Makifim, the outer Makifim are higher. When it comes to Primi, imminence, the deeper you go in, that's higher. More Beprimius. And the outer is more superficial, external. So you see Makifim has hierarchy. Each eagle has a higher part and a lower part, which is used to understand the concept of repairing blemishes. Tikkun hapgamim, repairing wounds. Where you need both different elements. So you see a distinction. But that distinction, as he explained, is primarily quantitative. It's on a revealed level. It doesn't really change. The quality of the transcendent force is not in any way compromised by one, from one eagle to the next. They're all essentially one. They just, re, they just reveal more, they reveal less. Which, as he explained, is not part of, does not define structure. Even in the imminent energy, Quantity doesn't define structure, it's qualitative. Muhus, the etzim muhus of the difference between Chachma and Bina, one sphere and the next is what defines structure. Not their quantitative energy level. And then moreover, even, even on the level of quantity, there's a distinction because in imminent energy, quantity matters. Because it's defined by revelation. It's defined by what's revealed. That's its state of being. In Makiv, he says it's not only Ribimid, but also the Echus, the the takeif, the intensity, like he gave the example of tamimus, of sincerity, is absolutely equal everywhere, even if it's revealed more in the mind than it is in the heart than it is in action. On the contrary, in action you have even more expression of a person's true sincerity in action than even in the mind. So we see from that that when it comes to makiv, there's a different way, there's a different track how things work. But then we still have the question, and that's the question on the table in chapter 83, what about spheres in the Gulen? That's hierarchy. My Lamata find there's less and there's more, we understand that. But you're saying there's actual spheres. And spheres seemingly are the actual imminent instruments. Spheres mean structure. So it's not just a question of, you're saying there's actual sphere structure in transcendence. So to answer this, he began by saying, Erein Sof, Erein Sof also has spheres. We spoke about much, much earlier that before spheres became ten spheres is a state where they are infinite possibilities of spheres. Every gilu, as he says, v'chol gilu spheres. It's interesting contrast because we had two things that were said earlier. One is kol gilu is a sphere. Meaning now he's saying that a sphere is more than just imminent. Every revelation, period, is through spheres. Even the highest levels, where there's no number yet, spheres have, have no end. They're bleak vul. As he says, in the source, they're in the level of they're one without being counted. They can't one and, and cannot be measured. So there too it's called spheres because every gilu is spheres. But interestingly, earlier he also said that spheres, on the other hand, are in order to create. Which means that spheres also have a role as instruments to to like think of it as the paintbrush or the paint 
the tools and the building blocks through which we create. So which one is it? So the, so the same question now, he's just carrying it over. The same question, how there are ten spheres in the Gulim, is the question is, how could you have spheres in a state of pshittas, of substanceless? Aren't spheres, by definition, hagbola? The Gbola means definition, means uh, parameters. So now we'll begin a long discussion that there are three meanings in sphere. Meaning number one is number. Number two, from the word telling a story, sipur, to relate a story. And number three, sapir, like the sapphire stone, it illuminates. Just for the record, uh, from 83 through, I believe, 92, Through ninety, through ninety, eighty-three through ninety, it explains the first interpretation sphere from the word number. Ninety-one through so I was getting coordinates here. Ninety-one through I believe one o four, one o three. Ninety-one through one o three is interpretation two which is the, from the word Sipur to tell a story, and 104 all the way to 124. 123 is the third interpretation of Sapphire. And then he comes back and says that therefore the same spheres that we talk about in imminence and in transcendence are different levels. Transcendent level. In the Gulim spheres are about reflecting the source, the Sapphire element. In imminence, the spheres are primarily focus on the number element. And also partially on telling the story. So basically the same sphere, the same word sphere, has basically three functions. So now we're going to discover that in within imminence, the spheres in imminence, in their root, deep root, the word same word sphere has also an element of illumination. But the question is where the focus is. So for example, if an artist takes a paintbrush and paints, or any artisan, craftsman uses a tool, the tool creates a very particular shape or a particular function. So in physical reality, you can say, okay, you know what? It's a hammer. It's a paintbrush. It's a screwdriver. It's a drill or whatever it is. It does its thing and that's it. There's nothing more to it. But the spheres, as we shall learn, we're talking about the spheres are all part of the divine. And the spheres themselves, are one with the divine. So here's where it becomes much more fascinating. That that same paintbrush or screwdriver that God uses has within it elements that on a functional level you may not see. On a functional level you'll just see it's a number. You'll just see that it's creating a defined chachma. But within it lies a story. And within the story lies an energy, a light. And it carries you all the way to the root of spheres in the gulim themselves. That's a brief summary of what he's going to say. So now you're going to have the interface, obviously, will become far more enriched by this. Because now, it's not just about, okay, we have structured existence, we have transcendent existence, and they interact, and we can go out of the system. Even the transcendent has in its spheres. However, there the sphere is in its purest form. It also will teach us how spheres evolve. How spheres themselves, where they come from. 
Because remember, we are doing everything possible this, to make the interface as perfect as possible. If you say spheres hit a wall, hit a ceiling, because they're gvul, and there's no way for them, so then even at the root, the problem is how will the spheres, we spoke about how the ten hidden spheres are how, how arises in the bleak vul, possibilities of the artist, one possibility arises. And that's going to be the ten spheres that will ultimately evolve, the kav, till the, till the energies inside containers. He said the three levels, as he discussed much earlier. But someone will say, okay, fine, so you just carried over the question. You're saying there's unity and fusion between, between finite and infinite, between existence and the divine. You just carry it over, just like we always ask the question. You know, at the end, at the end what happens up there before the symptom? How does the gvul meet the gvul there in its deepest root? So you're just carrying it over. But by understanding that spheres, even as they are in coming down in Atsilis and are defining existence in the building blocks, have within them an element of a deeper story. And more than that, a sapphire, the sapir, a gili. And more than that, that, that a, a spheres in the igulim, you suddenly now have created a bridge that helps the interface, that there's actually a bridge between the ten building blocks and their counterpart in their root in the igulim even. So that makes the connection far easier to understand. There's always going to be a point where we need to have, obviously, a divine power where God has the yichelus, the ability to do them all. And that's where it all rooted. But we're talking about from Ayurveda, we're looking for as many possibilities. You don't want to have, when you're trying to bridge something, create an interface, you don't want to have any gap. You don't want to have anywhere you have to jump. You want to have the ability to connect the two. Now, obviously, jumping is needed. That's the whole idea of tshuva. But jumping is not a sustainable lifestyle. You jump in order to energize. But then you want to build an interface that works. A world that's aligned with godliness on a sustainable level. And there, you don't want to have gaps in the interface. You want to have every um, track accounted for. Think of it like every uh, knot has to be tied. Every thread has to find its place. So the, basically understanding the spheres is going to help us connect spheres as they manifest in imminence. All the way in containers. All the way down here on earth. In a most substantial way. All the way back to their source. And where gvul and bleak will meet. So what we know now is that there are spheres that have ten level of ten spheres. We know there's also infinite possibilities of spheres. And that sphere reflects on Gili. So with that being said, let's now go into where we began learning. I think it will make it a lot easier, this introduction. Discussing the idea that the number, the concept of a number. Before we go on, let me explain what number is. Because this, the next, this chapter is very dense. The language is extremely complicated, and you really need to go line by line to really meticulously take it apart. You know, I've read it quite a few times because I find it to be very, very abstract. So, what does he say? The bottom line is: let's start with what number means, because the num- word "number" itself is like a very can be a very like. What does it mean? What does number mean? So, number. You have to remember, number here is a reflection, an expression of, of gvul, of definition. When something has a number, you can count it. You're, you're saying essentially that it's countable, which means it has fi- it's finite. You can't count infinite, infin- infinity. You can't count safe. How do you count it? It's not made up of individuals. As we know, when it comes to the infinite, 
It's not like you climb one, two, three, four, five, and you'll hit the infinity. Infinity is not made up of units. So the idea of counting doesn't exist in the world of infinity. Trillion, 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 the highest numbers are ultimately all units. Many of them together, so you have a, a great quantity. But the jump to infinity is a qualitative jump that's completely outside of this realm. Like he says, spheres are, that was the initial question. Spheres are bligvul. I mean, we talk about that level, spheres and kates. The level where Lifnia Timson before the ten spheres, so he says, there's also spheres, but they're there, they're bligvul. There's no number to them. Why? Because they are a reflection of the source, and the source is Antu Chad He's one, but not a measurable one. You call him one only simply because to distinguish, but you're not saying he's one and not two. He's not, com- he's not comparable even. And therefore the spheres there. That was the question. So how could spheres which are gvul, which are which are number, be co- called spheres bligvul, leibachushban? So he began answering, this is the beginning of the answer, that spheres have, number one, they have an element of number in them. But as he's going to explain, while they have number, they also have other meanings and other roles. So this is now going to be the discussion, what is the, what is the, so number is symbolic of the gvul of the spheres. That's basically what I, what I wanted to emphasize. Now he's going to explain that there's really two states of how this number manifests. It, actually number, real number, tangible, gagbola, Definition and parameters, he says, are the spheres of Bria, of Bia. In Atsilis, you can't really call them a defined structured number. But you still can call them a number. So you're talking about, as we've discussed many times, relative infinity, so to speak. In other words, we're not talking about the truth. Because completely numberless, no number at all, then you can't say ten spheres. And we say there's ten spheres in Atsilis. Ten and not nine, ten and not eleven. Sphere of Saint Ketz is not is not is reserved for a level that's before Atzilus. It's reserved for a level before the Simpson. So, so the question is like this, he's putting, placing on the table here, that spheres on one hand, we know there are spheres that are reserved only for the level that is before the symptom, the level, and that's where they can't be counted. Like he says, that there's spheres even there, being that it's Ur and Gilui, Every gili, call gili alide spheres. In case you have the question, say, why, who, how do you know there's spheres there? Say, there's no spheres. No, every gili means there's spheres. But there's no number to them. They're in a state of bligvul. 
Why? Because they are connected. To, they're right. They're right in the source. The machadah pshitas who sibel has fear of saying kets because the pshitas the substanceless. But he is one, but not a measurable one. So the same thing, the spheres there are also labor chushban. So the question is, how then can we call them spheres? Spheres are, by definition, they're spheres. So he's going to go now and explain the pardis, with the pardis, the first meaning and what spheres are, the number. But I want to just reiterate what I said before. That the, what is the focus of number here? Number is the focus is defining gvul. Number defines gvul because infinite does not have a number, like you just said. Finite has numbers. As many units as you put together, you'll never reach infinity because infinity is not made up of units. So as soon as you say there's a number, you're saying there's a structure. You're saying there's a definition. But in number itself, we're going to learn there's two levels. So there's infinity that's beyond numbers. That's clearly reserved, as we said, for the Lufniat Simpson before Atsilus the clause. But Atsilus has ten spheres, ten and not nine, ten and not eleven. On the other hand, the real tangible manifestation of this structure is in Biyah, where the Yesh emerges. So we're going to introduce the concept, which has been introduced already before, of relative infinity, so to speak. What does relative infinity mean? That it's not really completely substances, because you say there's ten spheres. But relative to higher levels, it's already some form of gvul. But relative to lower levels, it's still a form of bligvul. Now, I've given different examples for this as we've discussed, but this goes back all the way to the beginning of the Hemshech, of the discourse, of the series, where we spoke about, if you remember, is Atzillus Gilead Helam or Yeshmayin? Is Atzillus a new reality? Yeshmayin? Or is it a reflection of a higher reality? And if we discuss then in the interface, this question is critical. Because if it's a new reality, then it's very much connected to the structure of existence. Very good. But it's not so much connected to the source. It doesn't reflect the source. If it's a reflection of the source, then in some way, it's not yet a tangible reality of existence. That's why he explains that in the interface, you need both. So you have Eris and Kalim. The energies of Atsilis are more revelation of the source. The containers are more reflective of the new innovation of the independent reality of existence. In Atsilis, obviously, they come together. But he went further and said, no, that's not enough. In the air itself, the air itself also, the air itself also has structure. And we're talking about imminent energy now. Imminent energy also has structure. What is its structure? The ten spheres. He made a long case to explain how these ten spheres are not just uh, imposed are not just um, acquired by through the containers. For example, like colorless liquid in tinted glasses. But the, the air itself, like a Shame in Hillel, when they heard an idea, the Chesed and Gvura was in the idea, and the concept that they heard from Shmaya was there. But it was an amorphous state. It takes on shape and form in the Kalim of Atsilus. So there's a whole case made that the energies of Atsilus also have ten spheres. Obviously, they're far more subtle as they, than they are in the containers. And discussed how they are the three levels. They're rooted in the ten hidden spheres, where altogether there's no spheres. It's only how God envisions it. Then you have it how it's in the Kav. It's ten spheres. They've already now become defined blocks. But they're not yet in containers, so they can still call them somewhat abstract. And then there's the third level, how they actually manifest in the containers, not silas. That's all imminent energy. 
So this means there's a number. But you see from this that the number itself has two elements to it. If you focus on the number, number, then it's very tangible. You can say the containers are like the number. What about the eris? The eris still have this 10. But is the number 10 as distinct in the energy as it is in the containers? Obviously not. So here he's going to say that the real tangible element of spheres takes on shape in biyah. Because that's where it becomes a yesh. And at silas, it really focuses more on the intangible. But it still has a misper. So the same word spheres have both, have number and have something deeper inside of them. But the key thing is to understand that number itself has these two levels. So as I, I, I give the example. You have, let's say you see 10 apples on a table. You count them tangibly, 1, 2, 3, they're 10, they're not 11, they're not 9, they're not 20, they're not 1,000. 10, 10 apples. Then you close your eyes and you imagine 10 apples in your mind. It's 10. It's also not 9 and not 11. But right now, you right away would say, you'd say, well, is there a distinction? Yes, there's a big distinction. These are tangible 10 apples, and these are conceptual 10 apples. Which means, very easy for you to just envision an 11th one. On the table, you'd have to bring an 11th one, for example. It's also easy to, to see that it's only an image. What is it? It's an image in your mind of 10. Image immediately means the boundaries are less, are more porous and less defined. Just, it's just a pure example. So in other words, the idea is to understand we live in a very tangible material world so we define things by numbers. A number, it's a number. He's trying to help us understand how you can acclimate yourself and refine yourself to come from very tangible numbers to let's call it intangible numbers. Intangible numbers, many levels. Till you get to the highest dimensions of the spheres. So here we're still focusing the first nine chapters is going to be on the number element of spheres. But the number itself has within it these dimensions. That's critical to understand the next few lines here. So what we have here is two things. We have, we, we, we have what, everything he's discussed earlier about Gilead Helam. And Yeshmayan is now being applied here. He's bringing it all back. One more thing I want to point out before I start reading inside. And that is, interestingly, first he started that the 10 is reserved for the containers. And the energy maybe doesn't have 10 spheres. Then he established that the 10 imminent energies also have spheres in them. And now he's come to a point where he's saying ten, ten, ten spheres, even in Igulim, even in transcendent energy. So it just shows you, again, the, 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 the structure here, the beautiful and eloquent structure of how he's building this interface. So, you know, it was a chiddush back then that even energy, imminent energy has, has because there's opinions in the Kabbalists that there's no spheres in, in energy. The spheres are only from the level, the structure of the spheres uh, is only from the level of the containers. Here he's going even into the Igulim. But to understand the Igulim, we have to go back to obviously to the imminent because we're talking about spheres now. So this is all about the discussion of spheres. I hope everyone understands why I think these introductions were important because there's a lot here that he's assuming that we already learned and uh, and has built up to here. So everything I've really said is taken from earlier memorim in the same discourse except he's not summing it all up here but... He refers to it back and forth. And I noticed in this chapter he says at least three, four times, commotion is bar So clearly he's referring very much, he's relying on what it said earlier. And I think without that, this chapter becomes very difficult to understand as a standalone chapter. You know, some chapters you can learn on your own. This one is very much intertwined with things that go back, as he said, in the Mimer of Nosei. So we're talking into the, in basically in the third Mimer of this whole discourse. So we're now in the 22nd Mimer. We're talking about 
close to uh, 150 pages earlier. Yeah, in the fourth moment to be precise. Okay. So now, with that being said, let's learn this inside. And I think this will make it a lot easier to understand. Clear? It's all crystal clear? Clearer. Clearer. Okay. Well, Lohovin's to understand this whole thing now with spheres. You see, he's already used number and not number on the top two. Does it have a number, sphere number? Does it not have a number? Look, Lebechushbin, Yebechushbin. So it's really a numbers game we're talking about now. Okay? We can call this class the numbers game. Well, Lohovin Zet Sarachlov and Chilamao Shem Sphere. Now, as I said, he's going to go into three the meanings of Sphere in the next nine chapters and then the next 12, 14 chapters and whatever the numbers I gave before of how each section divides. But it's, trust, it's a lot of chapters now on each one of the meanings. So I say, He nebe padashar ches. Perig beiz. Hevi kame perushim b'shem sfirim. He starts now with the first one. The Pardis brings several meanings. He's going to quote them all. Primarily three. And starts with the Ha'echid loshen misper. And let's read the Pardis. Even though we read it, we'll read it again. Because the Pardis is the key lines that the Rebbe Rashab is analyzing and expl- explaining at length. This is the actual language of the Pardis. There are those that interpret the word Sfira. It comes from the meaning, the word Beloshan, from the word number, number, Mispar. Sfira, Mispar. So take the root of Sfira, Samach Fei Resh. could also be read Sefer. It could be read Sipur. It could be read Sapir. You take away the vowels. But it could also be read, safer as misper, number. There we go. Number, as I just said, is from Bali Agvul. As soon as you say number, you're talking about the realm of the domain of the finite. And even though the spheres are not Bali Agvul, in a way you could read back, go back to the top lines, and he said he asked the exact same question. He said, are spheres bechushben or they're not? So in a way, he's already just the the, the pardis is speaking on a lower level. He's not talking about the essence spheres. He's not talking about the infinite spheres before the tzimtzum. He's talking about ten ten spheres. But nevertheless, the same words that they're baligvul, but be'erech shorsham, Even though they're not finite, so how could you call them by number? How could you call an infinite state a number? Be'erech shorsham, haposhet baligvulhem. But compared, relative, to their seamless and unshaped source, their Balegvul. So number one, to their source, their Balegvul, which we'll explain in a moment, this in-between state, which is on one hand not Gvul, on the other hand Balegvul. And also in their relationship to us. Which really are two different things. One means, compared to their infinite source. Let's define what that means. That means when you go to the source, you're not going to find ten. You're not going to find a number. The source doesn't begin with a number. You know, one of the so-called proofs for divine reality, divine existence, is that existence, because it's finite, has to have a beginning. A set of numbers has to have a beginning because trillion, trillion, zillion, whatever the numbers go, are all ultimately units. And they all have to have a beginning. So to say God is finite would basically also put God in the same structure. He has to have a beginning, God forbid. 
So you have to say God is completely beyond that. And existence does not have the ability to put itself into place because it has to have a beginning. So what put it there? In other words, from Gvul, you can never make Bligvul. You cannot create from Bligvul, from Gvul, Bligvul. Because Gvul is ones. Many ones. But there's school, Many units. But then there's real Gvul as we understand the tangible Gvul. What's relative Gvul? This is when we say, Ein Sov B'Shem HaMushal. Ein Sov B'Hashalah. We're using, we're borrowing the term Ein Sov. So the Chassidus brings some places, Mayim She'ein Lehem Sof. This is regarding Aguna. Somebody gets lost at sea. If they get lost in a river, so you would have seen them come out somewhere. But a sea is considered Ein Lehem Sof. Meaning you don't know, it's, you could assume that they, they may, because they didn't, you can't know if they, no one will ever see if they came out anywhere because it's called Ein Sof. But is a sea actually Ein Sof? Is there no end to a sea? See, we know today is measurable. Yes, it looks far. So what are we saying? Because I can't see the other end, that's why it has a su- it has no suf. Means we're playing words here. No, because in halacha there's a ca- category of something that's ain suf. If in our realm you can't reach it or you can't see it, it has elements. It has halachic implications. Like I t- like I said in the case of aguna. Someone that's lost at sea is not considered to be uh, to be dead. Is that correct? Is that Allah or is it the other way around? Hmm? But in a river, because in a small river, someone would have seen him come out. There, but sometimes you could say opposite because he's lost at sea. It's such a big sea and so on. But bottom line is, that Ein Sof is used here by Hashal. It's a relative term. So let me explain what this is. This is one of the explanations given by Chassidim is the following. When you say the, the, the finite set of numbers and the infinite set of numbers, in mathematics, they're both mathematical. There's actually a, a sideways 8 is a symbol of infinity. Infinity is used in mathematical equations. They're both in the same world of numbers. So you could say the following. One compared to the highest finite integer, finite number, is closer than that highest number to infinite. Very clear. That's established. In other words, you don't get closer to infinity. But they're all in the category of numbers. If you asked infinity, is there such a thing as a number one, number two, you'll have to say yes, because I'm, I'm, I'm the infinite set of numbers, and that's the finite set of numbers. If you ask infinity, are you made up of those numbers? No. Because I'm not, you can't add, add up single units, finite to infinite. But what happens if you ask an entity that doesn't even recognize numbers altogether? An entity doesn't even recognize that numbers exist. That entity would say, answer to the first, second question, yes, I'm not made up of them. But even the answer to the first question is there, do you have any relationship? Is there any value to this finite number? From that point of level, from that level, no. Infinite and finite to me are equal because they all don't matter to me. I'm not in the world of numbers. There you have a level of bligvul, of ensof. Let's talk about God. God is not defined by structure. Doesn't need numbers, doesn't know what numbers are. For him, finite, infinite, both of them meaningless. 
In other words, just like infinity, one and a trillion are equal, something that's outside of the world of infinity, infinity and finite are equal. So there you go. You see there that you could have a level of true infinity. You wouldn't even call it infinite. You just have no other word to express it. We're nothing. There's no definition altogether. Infinite means it's not finite. This entity is not closer to infinite than he is in finite. For him, finite and infinite are equally distant or equally close. We use this, for example, sometimes when the Aveda Sarkadia says that God, to just like he has the power of Bligvul, he has also the power of Gvul. Infinity doesn't have the power of Gvul. Because infinity is ultimately in the system of numbers. So if you really think about it, you'd say, who put infinity here? It also has a beginning. What's its beginning? It's a set of numbers. So it's an infinite set of numbers. So be it. Whereas something that doesn't have any shape and form, that you can't even call it a number, that would be a higher level of bleak vul, so to speak. Now, it's not an exact example for this, because here we are saying there are ten spheres. We're not saying there's infinite spheres. And then there's a level that there's no spheres altogether, which is also true. Here we're saying there's infinite spheres, spheres and cats. Then there's ten spheres, not silas. And ten spheres, not silas, he's saying, have a number, but that number is only relative to its source and to its relationship to what it does afterwards. Which is the second factor, as I said earlier. Because in other words, compared to its source, it's ten. But compared to lower, you could say it's not. But it has another thing. It has a function to play. And as a function, it also has a manifestation of 10. So on its own, in some way, it has an element of the infinite. Oblique vul. That's the pardis. Vihine klolis. Now it's the pardis. Okay? So bottom line, let's repeat the pardis again. is from the world of the finite. Even though they're not finite. But relative to their source, they're Balikvul. Relative to their source, they're Balikvul. In other words, the source doesn't even have any ten. And here there's ten, at least. And relative to their function, Pulosamelenu, they're a function and effect compared in, in relation to us. Now he explains it. And now the general idea of a misper, all misper is, a number is a revelation. This is going to explain this pardis, these two states. How could you say, Einam Balikvul, and then you say, the Misper is Balikvul. So he says, number, all a number does is reveals. Because through, that, through, through actually counting something, when you say a certain thing as a number, 10, you're not saying anything new, it's not adding anything. When you say, there are 10 apples on the table, there are 10 spheres, you're not saying, Oh, I'm going to give you a new entity. You're revealing something that's there. You're saying, what you see, before you didn't know the number, I'm telling you now this number. When the Jews, there was a census of Jews in the, the several different census. Minion. So it wasn't, it wasn't that the Minion created anything. It just counted and revealed to us how many are there, how many Jews are there. So it doesn't add anything but Gufu Muhusa Dover. It doesn't add anything in the actual thing that is being counted. Vuloibimispare. And also not in the number itself. Meaning in the number of the things. It's a little subtle difference. One is the thing itself does not have been there in the hands because now you told me that there are 20 of them or 10 of them. And also the number. 
of those things doesn't get enhanced. All you're telling me is revealing a reality that exists. A pre-existing reality. Because whatever it is that you counted now, and you give us the number, the way it existed before it was counted, the same way it exists without any addition, without any subtraction afterwards. That's what a number does. It reveals a number. For example, if someone came and took away one of those apples, that's subtracting. But that's not counting. Counting number is giving us what exists, reality of what exists, but that you were not aware of. So a number is a form of revelation. So what happened? So what did the number add? What does a number add? The only thing rather, it, it, the only thing it did was, it brought the number which was concealed before you didn't know what number to reveal, it brought it in a revealed way. And that's the meaning of misper, number in the ten spheres of Atsilis. We say, like he says, in Atsilis, there are ten spheres. What is, what is the ten doing? The ten is revealing. It's revealing that which before Atsilis we didn't know were ten. They were concealed. So Atsilis is a type of a counter. Think of it as a counter. It enumerates and tells us there's ten spheres. You go, for example, in the world of Akudim, there's ten energies in one container. You look at it, if you were there, you wouldn't see ten energies. You'd see one container. Just like if you go into the Etzim Nefesh, you're not going to see faculties. If you were able to see the unconscious state of our energies within our soul, I mean, if I'm just it's a hypothetical, all you'd see is energy. Think of it seeing as if you saw white light. Without a prism... You wouldn't know that it has colors in it. But there are colors in there. So what does, that, what does Atsilis do? Atsilis reveals those colors. Atsilis reveals the ten that are there before. So in the Kav, you wouldn't see the ten. You definitely don't see the ten before the Tzimtzum. Atsilis reveals them. That's what he says right here. That's the Pardis. No, but to explain it, he wants to contrast it to a state a reality where we now know that Atsilis reveals something that was concealed before. But the question is, is Atsilis itself gvul? Like he just said, We just said it's So now he wants to contrast Atsilis. Though it's a number that reveals, but the way it's in Atsilis is just a number. It's just a revelation. Where does it become tangible? You want, you want to know real tangible? And that's, that is real gvul and you can't call it that's biyah. In other words, the other element of, of, of number is not that it reveals what was there already. It's that it is giving you, it is a definition of, of, of parameters. So Mitzad Hagbola the Misper meaning what the Misper is 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 a Hagbola Sadover defines the the finite parameters of the Dover Hanimna of the thing you're counting Shuba Misper Kach Vakach. So we say there are ten apples or ten spheres. So there's an element here, not talking about the revealing what was that is a revelation, but you're actually defining that this is ten and not and, and it's structured. Had is a Shaykh Rag 
That is only possible in Biyah. In Biyah, you talk about tangible. You're talking about the ten, as I said before, the example of apples on the table, as opposed to apples in your mind. You want ten? Tangible number ten. That's in Biyah. Like time. Actual time, present, past, and future, is only possible in Biyah. But Natsilis is higher than time. Everything there is It's as if it's all happening at once. Like it says elsewhere. Like it's with time, the same thing with numbers. So if you're talking about actual substance element of numbers, that you're counting substantial things, that's in Biyah. So what's Natsilis? What is a number if it doesn't have substance? That's the question here. This is this is where we where we where we didn't elaborate, and this is why we needed to elaborate every line here. In other words, now we have here two elements of number: number that's defining substance, and number that is just the concept of a defined number that's revealing there's a number called ten. Now remember, the difficulty here is because we don't think like this. Where we think we think from the bottom up. First, you see apples, then you say there are ten apples. What do you, mean? you don't have the concept of ten without apples. Doesn't make sense to us. Here, however, it goes the other way around. Remember, it all started from a place of no numbers, and no, no, not only no numbers, no infinity either, nothing. Then it went infinite spheres. Then it became ten spheres, and then it became ten tangible spheres. That's why it's important here. That's why I think that's a critical element. We don't think like that. We think, what do you mean? You give me a number, it means there's a number of something. There's a number of trees in the forest. There are a number of seats in a room. There's a number of steps on a, on, on, a, on a staircase. But here, remember, we're talking from a state of numberlessness to number to uh, actual tangible. So Biyah, we know now, are the tangible elements that the thing you're counting. But the number itself that reveals there's ten forces, so to speak, that's Atzillus. That's what he's going to say now. So the tangible part is that. And nevertheless, the spheres are called misper. What we establish now is that this, that, that misper has an element of tangible. And Biyah it's tangible. So, what, so when we say spheres are called misper, nevertheless they're called a number. Because there's another aspect to a number. Because a number is also reveals the concealed. So nevertheless, spheres are called, because then you could say, you know what, why do you call spheres misper? Call spheres, uh, whatever, mitzad sapir or sipur. In, in Biyah, they should assume the level of number where they begin counting tangible things. No, because he's saying number is also reveal something. It reveals something that was there concealed. That's why I'm saying, this. that's why I gave the example. In this physical world, we don't have such a concept. Well, you do in theoretical mathematics. Where you just talk about numbers without items. See, for us, if there's a number of something, it means it's related to something that exists. We go, as I said, from the bottom up. There are 
three, four, eight, ten chairs in this room. Ten, ten spheres, okay. They must have evolved from the ten spheres. So we say, okay, there are ten chairs, and the number is simply a, a, um, a statistic and a figure I'm giving you to tell you how many chairs there are. So you know how many people you can sit in the room. Their number doesn't have any so-called abstract element. What do you mean revealing? What is it revealing? It's revealing nothing. It's just telling me how many chairs there are. But as I said, in the, in the way existence comes into being, it doesn't work that way. There are no chairs anywhere. There are no objects. All you're dealing with is a amorphous divine entity that has no numbers. It then takes some infinite possibilities into one possibility. That one possibility becomes ten. But it's still hidden that ten. So Natsilis has revealed that it's ten. In Biyah is revealed that there's chairs. Obviously not physical chairs, whatever. So that's why, he's, that's the distinction here. That's the key thing to understand. Because what, is it, what does a number mean if there's nothing? What are you counting? But he's saying misper is a gili. It reveals something. And that's what Atsilas does. And that's what the spheres of Atsilas do. So, if you want the aspect of misper, as it is like he says, misper hagbalas hadavar. You're talking about defined, the defined element in it, that's in Biyah. Nevertheless, Svira is called Misper. Why? Because Misper does something. It reveals something. So therefore the Hagbola, in this case, as we'll see it in Atsilas, is only a revelation. So we're not talking about the, the chairs or the objects that you're counting. You're talking about the revelation of something that was there before. In Biyah, the focus is the is on the Ischatsus. Ayesh has emerged. It's not just a revelation that there's ten. Ayesh, something that has identity in a way that you can relate to that is not connected to the divine identity. That's critical. Because remember, Atzilus, as we've learned, also has identity. That's what makes Atzilus lower than the worlds before it. But it's an identity that is a divine identity. Here it's an identity of, of its own. I think that's a vital qualification here. Like he says, the high b'chinis mitzias yesh mamish. Not just his chatzos, not just that there's an identity. B'chinis mitzias yesh mamish. You have a yesh. What means yesh? Yesh means I am something. In Atzilus, there's also going to be yesh, but it's a yesh that is completely a reflection of divine structure. Avil be'inyan. But the Ian of Misper, one second, but the Ian of Misper, being that it's only a revelation, so therefore, not Silas, that is. The Misper, being that it's only a revelation, Therefore, the Hagbalah there, the definition, and parameter, is not, is not a Hagbalah, it's not a form of something new, some yesh that emerged. Ki'im, all it is, is revealing that was before. If you remember, in early, earlier chapter, he said, Atzilus, from the Mareches, is, 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 uh, what was the expression? The Gilui Kaya Kamos. 
he said. I just want to find it right here. I like to go back to chapter 8, actually, because there he talks about the difference between the Gvul of Atsilis and the Gvul of Biyah. I see he actually specifically spells it out, which, of course, is vital to this discussion here. So one second, where, where, the expression I'm looking for, why am I not finding it? So in chapter eight, he says that Silas is it's out in Gilia Helam at the Einzei Schatzes, like the Marecha says. But Silas, Silas, no Einzei Schatzes dover b'Maitzel. Nothing was innovated. What was what, what emanated was only that was revealed. Koyach Hakom was vachosum that which was closed and sealed from the potential into the actual. And he asked the question, so how do you how do you reconcile the two? So he says that's why Atsilis is a an, an interface, and there's Atsilis, there's the Eiris, the energies, and there's the containers. So the energies of Atsilus are just revealing. So he says here the following words, I just want to read it. The the primary levels of Chachma, Chesed, and so on are in containers. There's also a, a limit in how much it extends. Came. The real Shir and Hagbola, the real limit, the real structure and its parameters is the way it's in Biyah. When it comes in Bria, that's when it comes in an actual tangible number. In Atsilis, it doesn't yet have that type of structure. I'm reading at the, at the bottom of page 12, chapter 12. Chapter, uh, page, uh, page 12. I'm sorry, bottom of page 12, chapter 8. The Shavuos Maimah. So he says like that. And then he goes on and says, the primary role of the Kalim of Atsilis is that there should be a, a, a limit in their extension outside of Atsilis. Within themselves, they're infinite. It's only the extension outward. Remember the example, one of the examples he gives with writing. When you're in your hand, you have the ability to draw all kinds of infinite possibilities. And then, when you actually draw, so what does the hand do? The hand limits the flow outside of you, but not within you. Atsilis itself, they're not yet Gvul. So that's what he says. In, that's what it says in Sefer Yitzida. Midasan esesh elam sof. Their number, their measure is ten, but they don't have an end. It explains and mavur b'kamachad. Umavur b'kamachad zo gam chinas hakelim. That's also the containers elam gvul. That's also the containers of atzilus don't have a gvul. Kamoish ein batzilus. Nevertheless, 
Bekeiches. Nevertheless, the way they are in Atzilus, is they're still in the state of Midas, Midas, emotions and faculties. But then he goes on, that's the Kelm. So it's critical to go back to that chapter in 8, chapter 8, where he speaks about how in Atzilus really there is no structure as it is in Briah. Bria. Then he goes on and says that even Natsilus, you have to also say subtly there are also ten spheres. But because we became so spoiled, they're speaking about spheres and Natsilus in Eris, and we think that Natsilus has just become a type of uh, tangible reality. It's not correct. Natsilus is still, as the Marekha says, only revealing that which was concealed before. So I think chapter 83 is critical to go back to chapter 8 to really understand a lot of the lines here. But the element of misper, of counting, being that that's revelation, so also the, the finite element within the number of an Atsilis is not real finite. It's not really parameters. It's in, in a form of a new reality of a yesh. Only in a revelation. That's why you can say that in, the number in Atsilis, like he said in the Pardis, because that's what Atsilus is. Atsilus is not coming to innovate something new. When we remember, we spoke about what, so what's a chidush in Yesh Ma'ayin, we say a chokhmah Ma'ayin Timotzeh, that chokhmah of Atsilus is also Ayin, Yesh Ma'ayin. Remember, he explained that's Ayin compared to what? The Bligvul, the Erah Bligvul, because compared to its source, the source also has ten spheres, even the ten hidden spheres. So compared to the Kav, and even the source of the Kav, there's an element of revelation. It's revealing the ten. Where is there some innovation is, is, is in regard to the infinite. But now we're learning that the infinite also has ten, as we're going to discuss. So there's a Gilead Helam even compared to the infinite, but he hasn't gotten there yet. So we're talking now, what is Atsilus? Atsilus is a revelation of the concealed that was there before. It's not Ischach, it's not like Bria. That's why you can say number. Because number has the element of revealing something. So, so what the Chiddush here is that number is not just in Bria, even Misper is also not Silas. And that's what he says in the, in the Pardis, that Misper, on one hand, Misper is Balei Gvul, Afal Pishenim Balei Gvul. But Be'erchem Shoshem is Balei Gvul. And also the effect afterwards. Because that's exactly what Bria does. Bria is the effect afterwards. In the root of it all, compared to the real root, it is, it is, it is Gvul. But... In, but on a certain level, it's bleakful because all it is is revealing the Kayachain Sof, which has ten spheres in it. The Indian who the Indian of this is Dinagbola, Misper, because what's the explanation? Dinagbolas, Hamisper Shahu, Bumisper Kakbakach. Because now the Hagbolas Hamisper, the finite aspect of number, that it's numbered so and so, so many numbers. Haina Eser Velaytesha, that it's ten and not nine. Ah, see, this is the key thing here. And this is what I just said now. The tan- we, we, we work from the bottom up, the tangible. The tangible defines a number. Here, the number, who established 10? 10 is not a physical number. It's established because ain't safe wanted to have 10 spheres. So because of that, there's ten, but you don't see it there. Atzilus reveals that. Bria gives it 
substance. Is it yesh? That's what he's going to say now. That's why this has to be read very slowly. Because it's literally going back to everything he discussed, but he's bringing it all together here. Vim Kane, the Indian who, in he needs to explain this because someone asks a question. What do you mean? What is Atzilus revealing exactly? What's Atzilus revealing? What number? A number of what? So he says because in the Sharshe, because Hagbolus Hamisper should be Misper Kach Lekach. Had he gone by Sharshe, it is by the Sharshe. If not Simsim, because also in the root of the energy before the Simsim, long before Atzilus, there are also ten spheres. For whom Hashem Shaf Habligvul, as we said. The artist with infinite possibilities, the infinite defined, undefined light, energy. Eden Sof, the energy, the light that has no end, endless, and bligvul and is infinite. Sheer Ba'atzme envisioned within himself and allocated within himself, estimated within himself. To radiate in the form of measure and parameters, like we discussed earlier. But there, the ten are completely united with the source. It's completely within the source. But not silus, they get revealed and they come into a distinct, distinct levels. Commissioner's bar calls Abba like we discussed all this earlier. In Biya, they get body, meaning yesh. In Atsilus, they get distinction. Before Atsilus, there's no distinction in the levels that he discussed. There's the Kav. Where there's some distinction, like remember he said, Nikuda Kav Shatach. So Nikuda is the point the way it is before the Tzimtzum. Kav is already made up of points, but they're still amorphous. And then in the Kalim, and that's that's where Eris and Kalim, that's where they take on, they become distinct entities. But Achgam Haizchalkus, that's still the business is Chalkus Mamish. Okay, let me stop for a moment. So we see here, right here, a bunch of levels. You have the number 10. As it's envisioning God, it's, a, it's, it's basically a bleak vul is envisioning vul, which is an interesting take on the whole thing. So it's a completely, you know, bleak vul is envisioning vul. That then in turn becomes ischalkus in a distinct way in Atsilus. So Atsilus is revealing the hidden. It's revealing the ten that God had in his mind. It's revealing what the artist had in his mind when he envisioned the ten. In Biyah, the focus is the misper of the hagbola, the ischachus of something. In Atsilus, the focus is on revealing a number of something that was there. Before that, That's the key thing with a number. That's what means number. Why do you need to count? Because we live in a world of structure. In a world of structure, God wants you to count. You see? It, you're going to find out later that the intense spheres in the Gulim and transcendence are not countable. You can't count them. Even though they're going to have names. Because their main focus is there is energy. But here in Atsilus, the whole point is counting here essentially is symbolic of Gvul. That's what he says. Misper mebalei Gvul. Why Sphira is called Misper is because Sphira is meant to be the tool which gives structure structure. Number defines structure. But before Atsilus, the number is hidden. It would be like a fetus or a seed. In it lie all the elements. But if you look at it, you can't see the destruction. Atsilus reveals to you the number of elements that are there. I mentioned before, like if you look in the nefesh, in the soul, you're not going to see, you're not gonna, all you're going to see is energy, like white light. Atzillus enumerates and reveals these are ten spheres. Bria gives it the yesh and the distinction like that. But now he continues and goes even further. Agama is chalkus Atzillus. However, even the distinction in Atzillus ain't is chalkus mamish. It's not true distinction. Ukumoshi is ill. 
Commission is bought the common, I think. Not commission is bought the common. Yeah, commission is bought the commission is bought the common. Being in lashon pchinish number beesus for zatzilus, as we shall discuss later. In the, when we say the word pchina, why do we say pchina this, pchina that level? Shenember besa. We say the level word level. So he's going to discuss that that word level means it's only the level. It's pchinas chachma, not chachma. In other words, it's the concept of chachma. It's the 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 model of chachma. It's the what's the word that uh, um, in Plato he uses? Ah. Huh? Archetype, right? It's the archetype of Chachma. So even in the Tzil, it's not just Chalkus. So therefore, there's no Ischatus. Nothing new has happened. You've revealed what he said the Marechas, a power that was there concealed within. Now, obviously, it's revealed for reality like ours. God doesn't need it revealed. But it's a Gam, in parentheses he adds, Gam, Shari, Esos, Fidus, Atzilus, Ein Bedibu, Hizkalos. Also, additionally, the ten spheres and Atzilus are, are an abundant interconnectivity. Ad Ein Shir, without any limit, Shuzel Mekecha Ein Sif Shabahem. That's from the infinite power within them. Like it says elsewhere, Be'inyan, Ribu, Hizavus, Mepchines, Amalchus. Aden Kates Rashir, like it says elsewhere, that the fact that Malchus can create endlessly, like the, like land, like earth, can can give growth, can birth. That comes from the We actually discussed it earlier when he spoke about not safe but that the beginning is wedged in the end. She said, Earth from in that Earth has the power of creation. Because of the Kayakhensev, So if if Malchus, which is the lowest level you have this Kayakhensev, you definitely have it in all the spheres. He's adding, what he's adding here is, besides the fact that the Hizchalkus, the distinction that Atsilis reveals, is not real distinction, it's only a archetypes of distinction. There's also, you see the Hizchalkus. What does Hizchalkus mean? There's interconnectivity. So there again you see that they're really one. The fact that they work together so symbiotically shows a certain agdus. So he's just trying to explain how Atzilus is such a reflection of the source. In Bria, in Bia, the Ischalkus is very, very distinct. It's not just archetypes, it's actual realities. And the Ischalkus is not going to be as powerful. So basically, this parenthesis is simply adding how much Atzilus is so, so much just a revelation of states that are earlier, not a new type of reality. All the idea of misper. So even the misper, even the number Natsilis is revealing t- ten, but it's also there's a interconnectivity of these ten. We can say the Hagbolas Hamisper. Then we say a number is a defining factor, is a finite element. Ugamze also includes that what the idea that every sphere comes into a particular um, definition. In other words, we're not just talking about a number. One, two, three, four, ten. But the number also refers to the Hagdara, the, the, the distinct personality of that sphere. See what I'm saying? When you say ten, ten apples, each, it's just number ten. It's not like one... Here, he's saying number. Misper also is, a, is also an element of the personality of that particular thing that you're counting. 
When we say something is a category of Chachma, like you said, they're fundamentally different elements. Okay? Remember we spoke that it's not just Kamus, it's not just Revelation. They're fundamentally different elements. Chachma is a category of Chachma. Gdara Zabina is a category of Bina. The parameters of Bina. She says, Okay. Omnam gam zehurag b'chinesis galus mehelam lebchinesis chashus. So you see, he's reconciling everything because before he said that according to if we stopped right here before this yeshlema, you could say, you know what? Okay. So what are you telling me now? That atzilus is not revealing any, is not creating anything new. It's revealing that was before. But you told me before that imminence is defined by fundamental structure, and not by just revelation. Because based on this, you could say, you know what? The ten spheres, not atzilus. Are just one energy. Chachma is more, bina less, chesed less, gvura, you know. It's a gradation, a hierarchy of, of quantity. We made a case before that no, the spheres are absolutely fundamental structure. So you're telling me in Atsilas there's no fundamental structure? And only in Bria it begins. You could say it, but then it upsets the whole balance what he wanted to establish before that there is absolutely structure in imminence. It may not be a yes yet, but there's a real structure. It goes all the way up to the source, all the way into the into energy, all the way into the source. Makifim, he said earlier, Eagle. Not only does quantity not define structure, but there, there is, there's an equality, there's an intensity that's equal everywhere. But when it came to imminence, yes, quantity is a big factor because you define by quantity, but quality is also a factor. So he's saying Yeshlema, the Hagbola, a misper, is also its category. Natsilis, in other words, you also get that distinct entity as a. I'm, I'm sorry, I wouldn't say the word. You also get the entity as a fundamental structure. You're getting real Chachma and real Bina. You're not just getting the, the, the superficial element that Chachma is more energy and Bina is less energy. But he says, Even this element, even the Hagdara of Chachma and Bina, is also only revealed and not new. Because even in their root, they're also ten. This this distinction between Chachma and Bina is not didn't just begin in, in in lower levels. In the root, when God in the bleak vul envisioned, the artist envisioned a defined structure of ten, he envisioned that there should be a fundamental difference between Chachma and Bina. Not a uh, superficial one. So even in its root, it's that. So when Atzilus reveals it, yes, albeit it reveals it in a way that's not yet distinct, it's also only an archetype and a scholus and all that, nevertheless, it's revealing the element of the fundamental difference between Chachma and Bina as well. However, there, the ten hidden spheres, they're completely united, they're built to Mitzis, and they're absolutely not distinguishable in any possible way, at all and at all. And then, as he explained, the second stage after the Tzimtzum, the Kav, they became distinct spheres. And the level of Chochman, the Kav, is the same Chochman that's in Ein Sof in the Ten Hidden Spheres, as we discussed earlier. Later I'll, I'll mark up which chapter is each. But all this was discussed. The Gamba Kav, the same Chochman, Blima. And also in the Kav, the spheres are still in the state of Blima without substance. The third level. For remember, there were the three levels. Yochid, Echid, and Kadmin. Nekud, the Kav, Shetach. 
that first it began in the ten hidden spheres all completely, you know, remember, he spoke about Chad and all those different levels. Then came level two, the Kav. Then when they came in containers, in the containers of Atzillus, now they are Metzias Dover. Now they are substance. However, they're divine substance. There's no yesh. There's no independent reality yet. Nevertheless, the way they are, even compared to the ten spheres as they are in the containers, the way they're in the kav, they're still in the form of of uh, substanceless, shapeless. As discussed all this earlier, how many times has he said already earlier? Three, four times at least. Tell you how much it's connected. Sorry, he was not talking about the Kav. He's talking about even the areas of Atsilus. So what we establish now is that the structure of spheres begins all the way in the root. They just did not emerge. In the Kav they emerge more, but still substanceless. Now they become it seized over, but compared to the ten spheres of the containers, the energies, as we spoke, are, 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 are amorphous, are pshittas are in a state of um, substance of, uh, of, 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 simp- of simple. They're simple compared to the spheres of Kelim. And therefore, Imkain, and so, they're not in Atsilis in a state of something new. It's only revealing that which was there before. So he says there's no prokim later. In the parenthesis he adds, and look at what we discussed later, this is in volume two. I was after the river shop stopped making the chapters. So it's no, no chapters any longer there. Even though he see clearly that he intended to make chapters. So he says, look what it says later. And obviously there's a question involved here. Because he says, And what it says there does not contradict what was, what's written here. Obviously there he says, there's no chachma in Esos You can't say there's chachma there. Here he just said, even in the root, there's something of chachma. So he's saying, because it's not a contradiction, because for sure, initial it's absolutely, uh, uh, how do you say in, in English? Not, no, absolutely, unequivocally, uh, unequivocally, Not even refuted. No, it's not refuted. Initial government. That's not possible. Unequivocally impossible. Together, the category of Chachman ain't safe. Initial government, together, Chachman ain't safe. That together, the category of Chachman is completely, um, unequivocally uh, removed from Ensef. Nevertheless, there's also a, a level of Chachman Ensef. So there's a level, there's something there. So we have to look what it says later. But Here becomes a category of Chachman. So there you can't even call it a category of but you have to say there's something there. So even though there's a category of Chochmah, not Silas, it's still Chakim. He's wise, but not with discernible knowledge. Not with the wisdom as we know it. Now he's going back to the Pardes. 
And this is what the Padis negates in Hagbola Be'esus Firzdatzilis. Remember, the Padis said, if you recall, Misper Balikvul, Afa Pishain and Balikvul. She's explaining what does it mean, Afa Pishain and Balikvul. You say number is Gvul, now you're saying even though they have no Gvul. She's saying this is what the Padis is saying. When the Padis is shale in Hagbola Be'esus Firzdatzilis, saying that, that, that they're not limited. In the tenth series of Tzilus, the Kishemer, the Shams, Shams Fido, Loshim Mishpat, has a shell in Hagbola Baham. Okay, he's explaining now the Pad is based on what he just said. So he's going to say it like this. Let's go back to the Pad. The Pad said, Misper, because Misper is from the category of the finite. And even though they have the, the spheres are infinite, Balikvul, they have no finite, but compared to their Shashim Apashat, they're Balikvul. And compared to their effect below. So he's going to explain this now. So this is what the Pad is because Esesur don't have a defined, really defined state. Because when the Padah says that Svira is from the word number, He says immediately it's a number and number is defined, but he immediately says, no, but they're not defined, they're Balikvul. They're, they're, he says, That that's, that's only compared to their original root is that they have no Hagbola. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Oh, what am I talking about here? Yes, because because the number is reflects on definition. That's why he says that, that that this is only compared to their root that they have Hagbala. Why ki Hagbala Because true definition is only possible in Biyah. In other words, he's explaining what did he say? Why did he just say they're gvul? Because they're not. And the definition of number, the number Natsils are not a real definition, are not real finite. Only compared to the original root can you call them that. Because they've become tangible ten. In other words, the definition, the definition of Atsilas, the structure of Atsilas is Hagbola of, of revelation, not Hagbola of substance. In Biyah, as he said, it's an entity that's independent that becomes a yesh. And that silas is just revealing a structure that was, that is just revealing the structure that was there in the root. <coughs> so when you say, when you say gvul, real gvul is in Briya. Atsilas is the gili of kayacha gvul, the power of God envisioning the ten spheres, which has chachman bina in it. An actual distinction between them, but it's still all really an reflection of divine, infinite power to create the finite, and that's what Atzilus is revealing. Yeah. 
that's the whole word, in other words, we define structure by defined structure as we know existence. Their structure is seen as the divine envisioning of structure. That's what Atzillus is doing. That means Agbola B'chinis is Galus Levad. Not Agbola, like he said before the words. Agbola B'yah, that's Agbola Mamish. And this is just Agbola of his Galus Levad. Agbola Mamish, as we said, we define what that is. Agbola is Galus Levad is revealing a power, the power of that infinite power that envisioned the, the, the finite, the ten spheres, hidden spheres. Now he goes to the next word. The end of the part this was, and also in relation to their impact on us. Their impact, their effect, their function, to us. In other words, there's two things here. One is it's just established that the, that real gvul is in Bria and Natsilis. It's only it's really built by gvul, but it's misper. It's a number compared to its source because in its source there was no number. There were ten, but they could not be distinguished. Now he's saying another aspect. What makes Natsilis have ten number is the impact on us. Why? Because it's known that gvul Natsilis, the gvul of Natsilis. The, whatever the gvul of Atzilus is, its parameters. As I read earlier from chapter eight, that's only that in order the, that the emanation, the outside of Atzilus, should be in a state of finite state. But Atzilus itself, it's not gvul; it's not yet defined. The answer is Atzilus ain't safe from the Spastusan, because the ten spheres of Atzilus can extend endlessly, Chachma endlessly, Bina endlessly, Chesed endlessly. Gam b'pchinas akelim, even in the state of their containers, ukumay shekasev makamacha, like it says elsewhere, and also discussed earlier, chapter eight. The ikrin hamispir b'Atzilus u'masha mispir inyonu hurakis galus mehelam. So then, what is the role of number? In Sphira, when you talk Sphira to Atzilus, the primary role of number, Misper, is not the, describing the tangible structure. It's revealing which was concealed, the, 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 the ten that were concealed within the source. And nevertheless, it's not just revealing, by stating the number, the thing becomes comes to a state of distinctions. He said before, not as chalkos mamish. He said as a form of archetypes, or um, and so on. But still, there's distinction. So it's not just you counted. By counting, he's trying to say it's not just you count a nice number. You said okay, ten. You brought you brought them into some type of tangible distinction. And that And this is why numbers have to be done spoken. It's not just a uh, theoretical exercise. Like when we count the Omer. It's not enough in your thought. It has to be spoken specifically. Because in thought, the function of the number is not serving a function. It's still in your concept. It's still iskalus. It's all one there. It's all encompassed there. Even when you think about each one distinctly, individually, it's not, it's not real distinction. 
Only when you count them in words, because words have actual tangible definition, is chalkus. It then comes into a state of distinction. That's why the primary number, when we say a number is in Dibur, you say the number. You say one, two, three, four. You count. You don't just think. Why don't you just think? Say, today is the first day of Omer, second day. Same thing as Lamaila. This is in Gashmis. You know, when we count, we count by number, by count of spheres. And so on. Same thing in above, the Lamaila Matzilas Akolob Khinzardusadain. Because beyond that silas, everything is united. Everything is one unification. As we discussed at length earlier, that kav hagam shaosim in the kudis protim the kav, the line, the thread of light that transmits after the tzimtzum, even though it's made up of individual points, nevertheless everything there is united. And it's called ten spheres without substance. And Natsil is the ten spheres come in a form of distinction. And this is the idea of a number that it brings, reveals which is from the concealed. It reveals what is concealed, but something happens. It has now come into a state of distinction. Basically, chapter 83 that we just learned, I believe has to be learned together with chapter 8 and other chapters earlier, and also with a critical chapter that, let me just tell you which one, we speak about the three levels. The Kud de Kav Shetach. What chapter is that? I believe, let me see, that's also a very, very vital chapter here. Um... Yeah, chapter 31. So I believe this chapter 83 must be learned with chapter 31 and 32, plus 8 and some of the chapters earlier, because he's really reviewing a lot of what it says there, but bringing it into now, into the language of Svira, the word Svira, Misper. So I think we made it through this chapter. Okay, so Kitzer, do the summary. Kitzer, Omnam Tzarek Lahov and Eich Shaykh, However, we have to understand, after he spoke about hierarchy, we still need to understand, how is the Kesser and Chochme? You see clearly, it spells out, Kesser and Chochme, there's actual levels, in a Gulim. Even in the infinite light, where it all began, is also possible, Shaykh. There's infinite amount of spheres. What does that mean? Because every gilu needs to be a sphere, as he said. What does it mean, sphere is The shaykh sphere is because the spheres there are in a form of pshitus, of, of shapelessness. Of course, we have to understand how. The yagdim and he prefaces mahu shem sphere by asking, what is the meaning of the word sphere? Hapardis mefarish sphere loshem misper. The pardis explains first explanation that sphere is from the word number. Or misper who's galus ahelam. The number reveals the concealed. And also, not just it reveals the concealed, he said, remember, that it also, it reveals, also the number, the definition of the number, also defines the the, 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 the parameters 
of the distinctions, v'hagbolas ha'agdara, and also the parameters of the categories, the actual categories of Chachma Bina. All this is what Misper does. He's summing it up. Even Atzilus. Who gamke nagbechinis is galus mehelam. So also, so like this. So Misper is galus mehelam. The chen hagbolus a Misper, meaning, and also the hagbolus a Misper, that which defines distinction and defines the categories. Who gamke nagbechinis is galus mehelam. Are also only revealing that which is concealed. Kiyesh negam b'shalshem. Because all that exists also in the source. As he explained. Right? All this is also in the source. Ubizgal is gamkein enum bizchalkus. And now when it's revealed in Atzillus, they're not in a hagdara mamish, they're not in a state of hizchalkus distinction and categorization mamish, literally. Kim bibiyah. In biyah, that's when they really get this type of true identity, full identity. But there's now distinct identity. But nevertheless, in the revealing the number, there comes a distinction. So obviously we need good explanation. What's the difference between the what does biyah add and what is atzilus? But clearly atzilus has now revealed essentially what was in the artist's mind. I would say, in the example of the artist... There's the infinite. There's, there's the artist beyond being an artist. There's the artist desiring before he desires. Then there's the artist desires. Then the artist actually defines out of infinite possibilities one possibility. That's still the ten hidden spheres. That one possibility now has a tzimtzum and now becomes a kav. Now they're beginning to stream. In Atzilus, they take on a a a, a distinct. There's going to be a field in the picture. There's going to be a water, there's going to be a tree, there's going to be a human being. But they're still, they're no longer, they're not in the, purely in the infinite mind of the artist. They're now one step before he actually gets to the to the, the easel and the canvas. And then biyah, he actually makes the first strokes. So Atzilis, you'd say, is the archetype. It's like the last step before the actual tangible creation. Because once the strokes, you already have his chashas. Then you already have something that is so-called outside of the source. You create art that you can see and someone else can see. But one step before he's about to make the stroke, he has it all. That would be Atzillus. It's all, it's all there. That's one example I would give. That's why it's bleak gvul on one end, but it's only gvul going out of it. Lepuloson, elenu. In the levels before Atzillus, it's not even yet ready to be put on canvas. Because it's still either too amorphous, or it's completely within the artist's uh, uh, psyche, or unconscious, etc., etc. So we shall stop here. We finish chapter 83, the beginning of B'yem Hashmini Atzeres, chapter 83, going through 159, and we concluded here on 160.